the Adonis audio experience. We're back. After a short break, Jose and I get into baseball. We talk about the All-Star game being taken out of Georgia for political reasons. We also talk about the Masters and golf kicking off its season of majors. And more importantly, we get into March Madness and all the craziness surrounding college basketball and the NCAA tournament and the championship game. But I want to give a special shout out to my childhood basketball hero, John Starks. For inviting me to the Big East Championship game. I was beside myself. Having the ability to watch. The Georgetown Hoyas. Against Creighton. In the championship game. Patrick Ewing. The Hoya legend. The Nick legend. And becoming the first man. To win the championship as a player. And as a coach. Man, that was surreal. Just hanging there with a couple of Knicks stars, watching the game, and some good friends. Shout out to Gary. Shout out to Tony. Man, it was a lot of fun. And after they won that champion, uh, the Big East Championship, we were able to go down to the court and see the celebrations and... Quarantine compliant, of course, but it still felt amazing and a surreal experience that I will never forget. All right, everyone, let's get to it. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. You're joined by Adonis and Jose. It's been a little break for us, right, Jose? How long has it yeah. been? It definitely has been. Now it's probably been, you know, a couple of months, you know, maybe right around Super Bowl time. But I'm right. happy to be back. Without further ado, you're joined by the two brothers, New Yorkers, and we're excited to be talking about March Madness. I love March Madness, man. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I mean, because we know things are starting back up. It's almost, right? It's like the Super Bowl comes and you're just like, all right. And then what's next? Exactly, you know? And just thinking about last year, like this is the first big thing that we lost, you know, because it just happened right in the middle. And so it was just so nice to get it back. And I love it. I mean, those first four days of the tournaments, the first two days with the 16 games each day, I mean, you just can't. You can't beat that, you know, it's just, you know, and we're all sitting at our, at our desks, you know, pretending to work, watching the games that start at noon. There's just <laughs> nothing better. Right. Those first two days, I mean, it's just basketball after basketball. And one thing I like about college over the pros is, you know, the skill level is not the same, you know, and, and that's going to be the, 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 the debate, but the energy the passion, the fight, and the unpredictability, that to me is, it, it makes it just amazing. 
Yeah, because it's one, you know, it's one game. You have bad 40 minutes and, you know, when you go home, you know, and I mean, you're right because there were, there were some games this year that were a little tough to watch. I also think that even the college product has gotten diluted because, you know, even 15 years ago, people were staying, you know, good players were staying three and four years yeah. and developing that team, you know, camaraderie that we just don't have now. I mean, you have Duke and Kentucky not even making the tournament this year because this is this is like the worst the worst nightmare because Calipari needs to he needs that training camp. Yeah. You know, he's got a brand new team every year. He needs that train, you know, to get them going and it just didn't it just didn't happen and you know, Duke Duke has one of their best players just opt out in the middle of the year, you know, for reasons, you know, that are personal to him, but mm. it obviously not something that normally would have happened in a regular year and it just you know and it sent some teams for a tailspin so it was cool this year to have different teams at the top gonzaga you know illinois you know having the best team they've had since like that darren williams team going on 15 16 years ago yeah baylor you know these aren't these aren't you know quote unquote blue blood blue bloods no but you know it was it was nice to have a different you know different players in there no, I agree with that, man. And it's it's amazing just the the storylines I saw where, you know, I'm I'm looking up, I'm into my bracket, I'm like, all right, which teams I'm picking? And I'm like, man, this Gonzaga story is uh is pretty cool. You know, I like uh you know, it's that feel good. Teams undefeated. And to me, I feel like Gonzaga's always one of the teams you you always root for. You know, because they never they never win, but they're always close. And it's funny. I don't know if you felt this way, but this was the first time in a while where I felt like people were not necessarily on Gonzaga's side because they weren't viewed as the underdog. But but they're almost like perennial underdogs. Well, they were. They got introduced to us as you know when they when when Mark Few when they made that run to the Elite Eight, that's when they made you know they got their you know their national run. This is going on like 17 years ago, I believe in '99, and they you know then he did it with a few you know with a bunch of kids that were not playing pro. Maybe they could go to Europe, but now they've actually morphed from like that little engine they could because everybody has not everybody. Some teams have a run. You know Virginia Commonwealth had a run, Butler had a run, and then they went back to what they were. But Gonzaga has actually morphed themselves into their top 10 team every year. They're in the Elite Eight the last four years, in the last six uh, Sweet 16s. Mm. But they, I mean, now, you know, there's a different set of expectations. Like, they they sort, they, they really, they got to win a championship soon. And he's getting players now. I mean, he's got, his point guard is going to be, you know, a top three pick this year. Like it's not, you know, it's not the way it was the way it started. Now they get, they're getting five star guys. They're getting one and done guys. They're, you know, they're, they're right there with, they don't take a backseat to anybody, Yeah. you know, you know, Kentucky Duke, they, they're right there. At least they think they are. You know, leading up to the games that, I mean, there, there was, there was at one point where, you see three number ones in, in, in the final four, and it it, it it kind of feels like, all right, you know, the number ones did what they had to do, right? They showed up. And then you look at that game with um, that buzzer beater with USC and Gonzaga. Yeah. Damn. I, I haven't seen – I mean, you watch a lot of college. I, 
but you know, I haven't seen a, a game like that in, in a while. And I needed that. Man, that game was so good. You know, I don't like to be prisoner of the moment, but that was prop that's gotta be like the top two games I've ever seen in my life. I mean UCLA UCLA played the game of their lives. They can't play better than that. If you just look at what they did against Michigan, you know, three four days before that, where they won a game that was anything but a masterpiece. They scored fifty one points. Michigan, you know, misses a million shots that they would want back. And for them to turn around and just guys that, you know, were just playing over their heads. I was watching that game with a Gonzaga wager on it, hoping that they would cover the spread that they didn't even come close to covering. And you're just, you're kind of like waiting for Gonzaga to make their, to take their separation. And they just never do. It was, I was incredible. I mean, it was a heavyweight fight. You had all five starters on UCLA shoot over 50%. And when you watch these guys play, you're talking about a team that probably should have lost to Michigan State in the first four, you know, before they even got into, like, the body of the tournament. And I kind of wish they would get rid of those games and just let it be a clean 64 like it was when we were growing up. The hmm. back and forth, the ebbs and the flows of that game. I mean, Juzang played the game of his life. Uh, you know, I I couldn't believe – and I did think that that had a part in slowing Gonzaga down on Monday, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. It was just – I mean, it's a game you're just never going to forget. You're going to know where you were watching that game. And honestly, I mean, that that effort by UCLA is good enough to beat any other team in the country that, that you know, on that night. Yeah. And Gonzaga had to dig deep to, to you know, to hold out that win. It was, it was incredible. And, and that's Gonzaga, UCLA. I think I said USC earlier. Yeah. But with UCLA, I mean, they were in the play-in, right? They and, were in the play-in game against Michigan State. And honestly, they were in bad shape. They really should have lost that game. Yeah, I'm like, and so so they got to play the extra game, right? It's like that added yeah. pressure, and to get that that shot with seconds to go, I don't think anybody thought that that was gonna even be because I mean you could tell the shot was contested, but you didn't see that kind of like urgency to to deny the ball. I think people just thought that. I don't know. He was just what? Just going to throw it up? Like, no one had faith in the shot? Because I don't know if you noticed that, but but there wasn't that kind of, like, ball denial, like, full court, you know? I, I and, and I thought that was the only piece that I was just like, man, they, they probably didn't have faith that this this kid was going to show up. I think they were all, they were, because you're pulling and get back, get back on defense. And you even heard the coach after the game, Mick Cronin, he was, like, telling them, you know, get up a little bit, because I don't want him to be able to dribble into that shot. It was a hard shot, but it's a makeable shot. He got all his momentum going into it. He got the dribble into it, and he got a he got a clean release and a clean look. And it was like, you know, 37, 38-footer. You don't want to have to shoot a shot like that. But under the circumstances, I mean, you got to obviously take your shot. And, and I mean, and, and it went in, and you could see, I mean, that's the kind of talent that kid's got. I mean, that kid was, he was incredible. I'm telling you, they were supposed to lose that game with, with the effort, with with what Gonzaga threw at them, that I'm a part with what UCLA threw at them, I thought they were going to lose at the end. Especially and go back to regulation, UCLA has the ball tied, and Juzang's going to the bucket, and you think he's going to have a shot at either a little float, or Juzang hasn't missed that, you know, this night. Mm-hmm. And Timmy, the center, what he had like twenty nine. Juzang, he had I mean, twenty nine. He had twenty nine. Yeah, he yeah. was. I mean, and on fire, shooting 58% from the field, something Nuts. like that. 
and yeah. and, the, and the Gonzaga center takes the charge, and it was a charge, but I mean you hate having to put the game in the hands of the official too, because there's like there's less than a second left. If he calls a block there, the game is over. Two things are going on the line for two. He's only got to make one, and Gonzaga's going to get nothing of a of a shot going going the other way, having to go the full length of the court. Yeah, it was. I mean, I just you just never. It's just a game you will never forget. It goes up there with like Villanova, UNC, mm. the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater. You know, way back in the early nineties, the the Christian Leitner you know, buzzer beater Leitner. against Kentucky. Well, I look at Timmy and I'm like, man, that that kid look remind me of Leitner. Not not as good as Leitner, but he remind me of Leitner. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what kind of pro prospect he is in the yeah. right system. He can score. I mean, that kid can score. I don't. I mean, he's got some deficiencies on the on the other side of the floor. But it was, I mean, he just, him and, him and Suggs just threw the team on their back. and Really did. I mean, they were, they had to go to a level that I don't even know if they even knew that they had to beat UCLA. Because UCLA hit them with an A-plus game. Like, I mean, it sounds like it, you couldn't imagine that that's the same team that played Michigan like four days before that. Because they were terrible mm-hmm. in that Michigan game. They were just a little less terrible than, than Michigan. The plays very, you know, hard defense. They scored 51 points, and Ju Zhang had half of them, mm. you know. And I just, you know, you're just going to look back at that game and and just, you know, we were just so lucky to have it. And because we didn't have – the tournament didn't have that signature game this year. It wasn't, you know, a little bit, you know, some some blowouts. They just some, – some uglier games. Yeah. And, and that game, I mean, that game delivered on, on the biggest stage. The other side of it, we have Baylor and Houston. And I watched that Houston team. To me, that Houston team was, uh, you know, I, I actually, I thought they might make it to the final. Just by their physicality, the the way, the championship game rather, their physicality, the way they, they move the ball, um, the way they hit threes. I really liked that team. And then when I saw Baylor eat them up, I was just like, what was I paying attention to? This Baylor team have men on the team, grown men. They got men. men on the team, yeah. You know, and when so many of these other, so many of these other schools, you know, have one and done guys, there's all grown men on the Baylor team. These guys are all seniors. Some of them are 50 year guys. They're all 21, 22. And you kind of saw that separate itself. I liked Houston too. Houston, by no fault of their own, they got like the easiest road to the Final Four that anybody's ever gotten. But you can only play who's there. Because the one seed got knocked out early. You know, the three seed got knocked out early. And they, I mean, they played double digit. They played double digit seeds the whole way through to get out of their bracket. You know, Some tough defenses up. though. Wait, wait, no, they play wait. great defense, ferocious defense. Even the way they, they manhandled Cuse, I, I was just yeah. like, "Yo, they they kind of mirror Baylor, except mm. except you know Baylor just had it with a little bit more talent, and the shots weren't going down. Houston, Houston relies a little bit too much on their ability to offensive rebound and get that many extra shots up, and I mean that's what they did to Oregon State. They devastated Oregon State with with the offensive rebounding and they got up 17 and they kind of just held on for dear life. Cause Oregon state came flying, came flying back in, on a comeback and just ran out, you know, they ran out of time, but they, they won the game. Mm-hmm. But when they couldn't, 
often they couldn't often to rebound like that against Baylor. No. The you know the intensity was just too much, and they really only had only Gasser who comes off the bench for Houston, really you know was really making their shots, but the rest of the guys weren't weren't making their shots, and I didn't think that game was going to be a blowout. I was favoring Baylor, but I was like, oh, I think we're going to have a good game here. But Baylor had you know basically you know a cigar game as I like to call it when it's you know just nice and easy. <laughs> And you know they 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 suffocated him. They just that defense is is so is so ferocious. Davion Mitchell, I love that kid. Yeah. I really hope somebody somebody smart, maybe your team, ends up with him. I don't know what high <clears throat> excuse me how high a pick he's gonna be, but you can't teach that. That kid's got an incredible first step. No one can stay in front of him. He's not. He don't have an incredible shot, but he's got a shot you have to respect, and he can get to the rim at will, and he defends. I I love that kid's you know NBA future. Hmm. I'll be a fan wherever he ends up, uh, you know. And yeah, but I mean Houston, it just wasn't, it wasn't their day. They they took a clear step up in competition, and you could you could see it. Man, and you know that leads us to the championship game. I'm like. I'm like, you know what? I'm still gonna ride with with with, uh, with Gonzaga. I'm like, I picked them to go all the way, but I was watching uh, Undisputed, and one thing I think it was Skip. Skip was, was saying, "Listen, we got we fell in love with the Zags, and and we wanted that story, the Cinderella, and everything that comes with it, and." What we didn't realize was that there was a monster brewing on the other side. And if we would have just paid a little more attention to the to to not the narrative of the Zags, but just the game, the X's and O's, we would have seen that there was a hurricane coming. And that hurricane was coming from Texas. And that was Baylor because, man, they they hit him in the mouth from the start of the whistle. They, uh, really, they really did, and I'll tell you this. I'll bring it back to Saturday for one second. When the UCLA game ends, I'm sitting with a couple of friends watching the game, and I'm like, this is going to hurt them on Monday. This is just – this game, they're going to be feeling this game on their legs a day and a half from now. You know, Baylor had the easier game. Baylor had the earlier game. And, you know, you were talking about Undisputed. A podcast I love to listen to is, uh, is uh, Bill Simmons' podcast. And he's got a theory. It only only pertains to football, but I would like to bring it here. He's like, when a team celebrates the game before, like they won the whole thing, and that's how you that's how they did. And when you hit a buzzer beater like that, you're gonna celebrate like that. But like releasing all those emotions, it 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 just adversely affects you the next game. Mm. And you know they celebrated like they won the championship. Listen, they won an epic game that we'll be talking about forever. But I thought they were going to come out a little slow. Now, I was hoping myself, I was still hoping for Gonzaga, rooting for Gonzaga. That start, that start just, they never got going. They were down 13, 13 to 1, you know, before we were all, you know, in our, you know, on our couches, comfortable getting ready for the game. And they really never came back. I mean, they cut it to 9 once. It was just a start from hell. Zugs, Suggs gets two cheap fouls. In the first four minutes, Timmy's fumbling the ball all over the place. It's a game I wish we could see again because it would be a much better game if they got to play next week. But mm. it just, you know, it it was what it was. And 
Baylor, like UCLA, Baylor, Baylor hit them with an A-plus game. You got, they got hit with an A-plus game two times in a row. And Gonzaga wasn't, wasn't, up, to the, wasn't up to it. Mm. Mm, man. Great. It was great overall. Uh, I mean, good for Baylor. I, I thought on the women's side, I, I actually watched, um, I didn't watch a lot of the women's game, but I did watch the uh, Baylor-UConn game. And though, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a UConn uh, women's basketball guy, but I saw Baylor lose that game, the Baylor women's team to UConn. I was like, I don't know. I think, you know, I think that girl was fouled. And, and I think she would have made those shots and... I think it would have been a different ball game. So imagine if they would have been able to truck down to the championship game and, and have two teams, men and women. That that would have been a whole nother storyline. But I know a lot of people are not paying attention to that narrative. But yeah. I thought about that when I seen Baylor do what they did and then just watching how close that women's UConn game was. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, they got she a good thing going fouled. down in Texas. Yeah, no, but she did get fouled. But I mean, you know, those are... It that's something you know. You gotta get. You also gotta get a little lucky. You know. You also gotta get a you know a little a little lucky for it to be for it to be your night. You know. I mean, think about how much. You know, back to the men's game. Baylor. Baylor hit like ten threes. They outscored them from the three from the three point line by like twenty four points. You can't overcome all that. Uh, Kisper, who is Gonzaga's third best player, was an absolute no show and got I mean exposed. Because some of it was Baylor defense. Some of it was poor. Poor uh, offensive execution by by Gonzaga. In my opinion, Kispert was a defensive liability the whole time. I'm like, you know what? If you want to score, then run a pick play to then switch the defense where Kisper now is down, is is running towards the ball handler and then just dribble penetrate. I felt like they were doing that lockstep almost every time to Kispert. And I was like, he just can't catch up. No, they were they were running ball screens and exploring the matchup they wanted. Attack Timmy, attack attack Kisper, their other guard that plays on the opposite of Suggs. That listen, it was a masterful offensive game plan. But you know, Gonzaga missed open shots that that they don't really make. I mean, you got to make them. You got they they it, they weren't there. And I mean, and they cut it to ten. They cut it to ten at half after they're down more than ten. Down as much as 17 at one point. When they get it to 10 and they get to go into the locker room, I'm like, all right, we're sh- this is okay. This is man, this is manageable. Uh, ma- manageable. Did you feel that way though? I felt that way. <clears throat> to be sure, I felt that way. I was like, we we might have a game here. You you know what I felt going into half? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is over because Baylor's only shot two free throws. Yeah, and, and you were right about that. And they're dominating. And I was just like, the physicality was overwhelming. The other part is that, is this game more like, hey, listen, it's one game. You can really kick somebody's ass in one game like this. And that's what college is about. In a seven-game series, can Baylor do this to the Zags? Can they sweep? Can they beat them 3-1, 3-2? I mean... I don't think so. That That's where I'm at, like... And listen, I mean, this is the format we have. I don't think if they played a seven-game series, I would. I mean, maybe it would go. It would go six or seven. I mean, Baylor was the second-best team all year. This is not some monstrous upset, and they were like a five-point underdog going into the game. It was just the way they manhandled Gonzaga. But I just wanted to go back to you know your point about at halftime how I felt. I was hanging my hat on Gonzaga lived at the free throw line 
through the first half, despite obviously trailing the entire time. I thought they could keep that going, get some of their big guys in foul trouble. But when Baylor hit a lot, Baylor hit a lot of timely momentum shifting threes. The second half starts, Butler comes, hits a three, bang, back up to 13. Gonzaga comes down and scores. They get one empty possession. They come back, they score again. They get it down to nine. Butler with another three. They go back down the floor. Timmy with a stupid offensive foul. They came down, they scored again. You're back up to 15. Like, you thought you were getting a little bit of momentum, and they never really got close after that. After that, Once Timmy got in foul trouble, you really, really like, it's just not going to happen. But that little sequence where Butler was like, no, this isn't going to happen. He comes and he hits two big threes. Mm. And they couldn't retaliate. Kisper was not there. He was the one that had about three or four open threes in the, in the body of the game, you know, in between the 20 and 10 minute mark, he had about three or four open threes. He didn't make any of them. And we just, it was really Suggs or Timmy. Nobody else was even really contributing. The rest of these guys got a little starstruck, got a little, you know, the moment got a little big for them. And, you know, Gonzaga's going to have to eat this because this has happened to them now a few times when people expect more and then they haven't, they've come up small. You know, Texas Tech knocked them out of the 2019 uh, NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight when they were supposed to win that game. They lost a few of these. Wichita State spanked them the first time they were a one seed in the first weekend. And, you know, Mark Shear's going to have to answer for this now because this was supposed to be his title. This was supposed to be his title. Mm. I heard someone say, if the Zags didn't win this one, they ain't ever going to win. And yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the case. Maybe we're going to be like, 60 years old and still talking about the Zags not winning. That's a little I mean, too this, long. Hopefully not. Yeah, I mean, this this great teams that got close and just never got there. You know, my my favorite team, Wisconsin. You know, they got there. You know, they were they had a really good team for like five or six years in a row. 2014 Final Four, 2015 Championship game, and I was thinking about them this weekend. Uh. uh you know, in relation to Gonzaga, because they had a big Final Four game because they knocked out the undefeated Kentucky team. And they got so much publicity from that, and they had to, you know, it was such a big deal. And they, they didn't get run off the floor on Monday night like like Gonzaga did, but they kind of ran out of gas, mm-hmm. you know, against Duke, you know, in that in that 2015 title game. And sometimes that happens. Like, Mark Few said it. I think Mark Few even was even already thinking about it he's like you have to finish the job you have to beat finland because he was he was referencing the 1980 united states olympic team you know the miracle on ice everybody talks about the game against russia that wasn't for the gold medal they had to win another game you know after all those pats on the backs they got they had to win another game and they had to beat finland and they did and mm-hmm. they closed the deal and they got the gold medal but that's one of those things that everybody sort of forgets they think the russia game was the game but you know there was another game and they were able to stay focused and keep that mindset, you know, even though, you know, you just had this historic upset, there's still work to do. Mm-hmm. I did want to talk about um, a little bit of golf. We got the Masters. Obviously, baseball too. You know, baseball's a big part. Jose, we, we're probably going to have to figure that one out. Maybe, um, maybe pick a, um, pick a day. We, we do a deep dive into baseball because I know there's some exciting stuff. And then our friend Mike McCarthy and, and his cubbies and, and all the stuff they're doing out there. Obviously we got the Mets here and the Yankees and all that going on. So we're going to have to think about that. 
Yeah, no, definitely. We'll set aside the time. You know, I'm watching the Yankees right now actually get pounded by the Rays. It's a welcoming sight. It's always nice to see. Oh, you know? oh that's that's such a you're such a <laughs> sweetheart. I got to tell you, you that. Know? You know, you really I, are. I do uh, what I can. I do what I can. Yeah, no. And <laughs> moving along, though, I will say that the Masters coming back and having fans there. I know a lot of people don't watch golf, but the ones that do know the feeling of the birds chirping, the smell of that green grass, the atmosphere. It's, I mean, it's hard to replicate that. And then when you're out there on the course, actually playing to know that you got the day, you know, because it, you're really out there for several hours, you know, and yeah. it just, it, it puts almost everything into perspective and you literally have to focus all your energy into hitting that tiny little ball. Uh, it, it, it's it's an amazing sport, but the guys on the leaderboard, I mean, you got Justin Rose. He came back to earth. He was minus seven. Today he's playing, he's at even. So, I mean, he's still overall at, at minus seven and still in the lead, but there's people that are, are coming back. He, he shot... He probably he shot one of the best rounds in probably the last, I mean, 30, 40 years um, yesterday. So he's probably, uh, you know, people are hoping that he just comes back to the planet and then the others can catch up. And then the guys I'm personally looking at for um, for this Masters tournament is my man, Tony Finau, to finally, you know, get up there, hopefully in the top three. Uh, Xander Shuffle, he's always in the mix. And I and. You know, Mike McCarthy, he does a pool every year and there's about, yeah. you know, X amount of people. I forget. I mean, sometimes there's 20, sometimes there's 60. You you really don't know how many are, are in the pool till you're you're in the mix and then you start reviewing everyone's scores. And if you know how many people total are in the pool and I learned this the hard way yesterday, it's because you're close to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Yes. And, th- and that was me. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I've had other tournaments. I've come in third and things like that. And that's been exciting. But I picked Xander Shuffle because I was just like, listen, no one's going to pick this guy. Everyone's going to pick DeChambeau. They're going to pick Justin Thomas. They're going to pick, you know. So I picked the guys that don't necessarily get picked all the time and still got a shot. And, um, so I stayed away from the, from the, the big dogs like Brooks Kepka and, uh, and you know, I always do Dustin Johnson, but, uh, yeah. but hopefully, you know, I mean, he's my favorite guy right now, but, but hopefully he won't be too mad when, when my players, uh, you know, get there to the top, either shuffle Finau, one of those guys, even Rory, I got Rory up in there in the mix, uh, and doesn't look like he's doing too well either. I'm actually he's having a he's having a tough go of it. Yes, I I don't know what's up, man. He can't he can't get his swing together, and especially when we I don't even think he's making the cut at this point. I'm actually looking at him up right now on the leaderboard, and damn, he's not. It's not. He's like seven eight over right now. So I mean, it's gonna he's be not, he's hard not making. For him. The I don't cut. know if they said what if yeah. they determined what the cut was gonna be yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, next time, Rory, next time. And it and it's crazy because all these athletes, when they play with Rory, they're like, we never met a guy that hits a ball like him. And I'm like, 
damn it, why can't you just do that in the Masters? You know, but oh yeah, I must know? say this this Masters tournament it's a little bittersweet for me to watch, only because my uh, I was gonna go. I had tickets to the Masters last year. Obviously, what happened with Corona, and they have limited capacity to this one. And they kind of picked them at random of people that had tickets that could go, and we didn't make the cut. So my tickets now get deferred to next year, and Lord willing, we'll be able to go. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, man, I could have been there. Huh. And we just we just were uh, a little unlucky, but you know, and all, it is great to watch. It's one of the best weeks of the year with the title game on Monday, right to you know, right into Augusta and baseball starting. And you know, it's really exciting. To close this out, I do want to get a little political. And I tried not to, but damn it, I can't. This whole thing with Georgia and the All-Star game being moved. You know, and I apologize to the audience. I haven't read a ton on it, okay? But I've read enough to just understand that sports, they need to be careful with how they insert themselves in politics. They really do. Because... Taking it to that level, it could have a exponential trick, a domino effect. Because I get it. People are not happy with how the voting laws are structured. But if you remove an all-star game from Georgia because you don't agree with their voting laws, then you're in essence taking away the revenue that would have came to that town to the working people of that state. And the other part is that Georgia's son, okay, Hank Aaron passed away in the last year. So wouldn't it have been nice to celebrate his legacy in the state where he became, he was baptized. He became a the adopted son of Georgia. Wouldn't that make the the the, the game just so much better? And those are the things where I'm just like, baseball is just so tone deaf that they're gonna they're gonna disappear and not even know it because they do shit like this. And it has nothing to do whether I agree or disagree with the politics of it. If you notice, I didn't even get into like the details of it because it's irrelevant. You shouldn't be making decisions based on that. And here's my final point, Jose. I know you, you got a point. Is that if that becomes the precedence, then setting that precedence means that we should pull out of... China, because we don't agree with communism. We should, you know, that there's no more international baseball because we don't agree with most of these countries that oppress its, its own citizens like Venezuela. So, so then, you know what, then do go all the way. And I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm more frustrated than angry, but that's my piece baseball get it together yeah no, i i really i agree i wholeheartedly agree and the only the only people that got hurt in this thing 
there's mean, a good chance I don't even watch the All-Star game if I got something better to do at night. Is Are the business owners in Atlanta that we're going to get their hotels filled, that we're going to have people at their restaurants? Many of these people, you know, my, many of these business owners being minorities that they think they're protecting, um, it's it's sad. I don't understand it. It would have been appropriate for it to have, you know, for the game to have stayed in Atlanta, you know, honoring Hank Aaron. You know, I think they're, they're, they're running a slippery slope. The NBA did the same thing. And, you know, when pulled like the hypocritical move of the century, because when there was an issue with China, they didn't care. Mm. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's despicable what happens over there. Mm. And it's, it's sad. It's, but I, I don't know if they're going to, I mean, there's a lot of people that are not consuming the product anymore because they're fed up about what's going on. They want it to just be about football. Pardon me. They just want it to be about baseball, about whatever that sport is. I don't need a lecture about what's going on in the world everywhere you go. It's, it's. I don't. You know, it, this only happens. I, I feel like this only happens in in sports. I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If do you, when you go to a Broadway play, does the lead stop in the middle of the thing and tell you? You know, this shouldn't be going on. I don't think that happens. But in sports I mean, now, you, you, they they mix politics in, in, into into performance shows in Broadway and, you yeah. know. But I'm talking about separate from the show completely. Just they like, at the end of the show, they're like, oh, by the way, we stand for this or something. I don't know. Maybe it was even a bad example. I just. No, no, I, I get, like, but I get what you mean, though. I get it, yeah. man. And it's frustrating. It's, it's, they're driving away more people than they think that they're, than they think they are. And they're not gaining anything from this. And I don't understand. I myself am not read into the law that much, but with the aspect of like the ID part, I mean, you need an, you know, you got to show your ID just to buy alcohol uh, yeah. somewhere. I, I'm not going to even go there. You know, well, I understand. I'm I not going to even go I, there because to yeah. me, that doesn't even matter. You know, yeah. To me, I get it. It's like it's hosted in Georgia, celebrating Hank Aaron's life. You're trying to get younger fans into the game. If you think younger fans are going to be attracted to your political views versus to actually putting the ball in play and making the game more interesting, then, you know, I think baseball, they're in a, I don't know, they're in a very precarious situation here because what does baseball look like 20 years from now? Uh, I'll just add this other part. You're correct in that. And now just talking about issues baseball has with the gameplay, the extra inning rule I think is terrible. If you if you saw the way the Met game ended yesterday with an obvious hit by pitch when Conforto leads into the leads into the strike zone and gets hit by pitch that the umpire was going to call it a strike three, and the fact that there's no mechanism to fix that and the Mets win a game that's a complete joke under those circumstances, like you can't. You he was hit by the pitch. Yeah, but the ball's a strike. Yeah. The umpire has, and, the, the, umpire the, ball, has the rule. Th- that's what I meant. The ball was a strike, yeah. and he was yeah. leaning into the, the pitch, too. It's like... Yeah, and it, you have to you have to make an effort to get out of the way. And the umpire has the authority to to fix that ruling, and he just did nothing. And, and then he apologizes, saying yeah, that... that nothing to me. He realized that it was a strike, so it's irrelevant. They, they started arguing the wrong point, though. They were arguing whether he was hit or not, and it was like, that's not even the point. The point is that it's a strike, yes. <laughs> like to exactly. your point. And you have to get out of, and you have to make an effort to get out of the way. 
because somebody will try to do this again in a very high leverage situation and just let the ball hit them. And that's, that's not right. I mean, baseball, they feel so lost and it's a game that I love. And it's a game that when, I don't know, when we get to be a certain age, it won't be gone, but it'll, you know, the big athletes won't play it. The big athletes already don't want to play baseball. They're gravitating towards other sports and, you know, here, you know, on, where we live, you know, New York, New Jersey and everything, lacrosse is killing baseball at the high school level. And you're playing a dangerous game. I don't know where the athletes are going to continue to come from, except for, you know, maybe the international market. And I don't want to see the game die, but, you know, mm. they don't, they seem lost in what direction they want to take their game. Yeah. God bless them. I mean, I, I hope they get it together. Man, this was a good episode. We took a, took a little break came back we eased right into it and uh we got some other things to follow up with and everybody out there i hope you all enjoyed this and until next time peace out